in the foyer and listen to the whole thing. So I'm now in the doghouse. <laughs> I'm going to live in the basement. Um, I am, we are honored. I'm, I'm glad that my wife came, but thrilled that uh, Kellaway, our daughter, came. And, and I guess things in the uh, nursery, tearing things up in there. Um, what I said was truthful. I just didn't know she was listening out there. I'd rather say it to her face. <laughs> but uh, I know. But I have to say, I don't think I started the anger starting to grow except when you started making the comments about Marines. And so you are fueling some anger there yourself. <laughs> um, we have been honored to be here. And uh, you may have to use the pulpit mic just a little bit to catch the guitar. This song is just a great song written by Bruce Fry. And I want to share it with you just before the message. Wow, I will have to really preach fast. Either that or it'll be 2 o'clock before we get out of here. Okay. Yeah, I knew that's what you'd say. Songs entitled Almighty Lamb. Atonement day is at hand. A little boy and his lamb make their way to the tabernacle gate. As the lamb was led away, a tear streamed down his face as he watched from a distance. You could hear him say, My little lamb, you cannot stay. For my sin, the price you must pay. A sacrifice that is so great, my little lamb. You must go away. God looked down from heaven's throne. He saw us hopeless and alone. To redeem us, he would have to send his son. As Jesus left that holy place, a tear streamed down God's face. All of heaven then grew silent. You could hear him say, My precious lamb, you cannot stay. Man, to redeem the price, you must pay. My only son, I will give away. Precious lamb, you must go today. Oh, hallelujah, praise the lamb. Hallelujah, praise the lamb. Almighty lamb, I'm so glad you came. My every sin. You have washed away, you saved my soul, now I can say, Almighty oh, Lamb, I'll see you someday, Almighty oh, Lamb, I'll see you 
Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to the book of Kings, 2 Kings. When Pastor and I <clears throat> visited just a few weeks ago and going over the schedule of family camp, he made mention, he said, on Sunday morning, I want you to preach, and usually... Uh, we just carry on the theme into the services. And I thought, oh, my soul. How am I going to carry anger on into the services? And partially because I knew there would be some folks that would be here this morning, not knowing who you were, but who, that were going to be here that would not be able to be at family camp. So we would have to take a lot of time to begin to go back and sort of review to bring you up to, to speed. And so I really asked the Lord, you can ask my wife, I really struggled with it because I wanted to make sure and do, number one, as a pastor has asked me to do, but I want to be sure and honor the Lord with the message. And, and as always, God came through. And so I'm going to do my best, and I promise I'm not going to try and keep, I'm not going to try to keep you very long. If I do, it's unintentional. However, <clears throat> our daughter said um, this morning when I said that, remember in Sunday school I said that Thane comes by his actions naturally? We were talking about the length of preaching, and my daughter looked up and says, Dad, you come by that naturally. <laughs> so, zing, she got me. 2 Kings chapter 5, for the sake of time, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 9, and then I'm going to go back and just sort of review over what has happened to bring us to this point. And um, preacher, I'm going to take this frock off if I may. I figured I could. I've been here before and thought I could. <laughs> Beginning in verse 9. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. For those of you who are at family camp, please take notice of the next few verses. But Naaman, well, and everybody else, okay? But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage." And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he said to thee, Wash and be clean? Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Father, I ask for your direction this morning. You know my heart. 
And I want to thank you for your love, for your compassion, for the work that you want to do in each of us. I thank you for your mercy and your grace. And I ask today if there's someone here that has never been biblically born again, they've never been saved, they've never trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, I'm asking that you will work in their hearts and here amongst friends, folks who have been exactly where they are now, I'm praying they'll see their need of the Lord Jesus Christ and get saved. And then, Father, for those of us who know you, we're your child. I'm asking that this morning you would allow us to do an examination in our life. We'll be honest with ourselves and, and look at where we are at with our fellowship and relationship with you. And that if there's anything in our life that would hinder our walk with you, that today would be the day we'd get it nailed to the wall. When Jesus nailed our sins to the cross, help us to nail things to the wall and leave it behind us and walk in the way that you would have us to walk. I have your will in your way. I thank you for what you've done and what you're going to do. For we ask in Jesus' precious name, amen. I know coming into and a biblical account <clears throat> like this and, and going, oh, I'm not familiar. What has happened before this? I, I, I'm one that my wife is an author. Those of you who know, know us and see the books out there, she's authored those books. And she got real mean to me this year uh, because um, she was, she's got a, we have a book at the editor waiting to go to the publisher and uh, that she wrote this year. And she would write the chapters, and she, when she wrote the first two, and, and then I got to read it and sort of edit, and she says, what do you think? I said, well, what happens from here on? She goes, I'm not telling you. I thought, that is so mean. I'm the type of person that when I get a book, I want to go to the end and find out how it ends before I start. I've read the end of this book, and God wins. Hey, that's exciting, you know. And, uh, and. So she has written the complete book, and I've got to read it, and I can't wait for other people to read it. So I'm enticing you. When it comes out, you got to get it. Plus, it'll help her be more famous, and you know. But when I get into Scripture, I don't like to just take just a little bit. I like to look at the context. And, and God had to teach me that. When I first started preaching, I'd just take a verse here and a verse here to prove what I was wanting to. And God taught me real quick, that's not good. Because that's what a lot of the false doctrines do. And they pull it out of context. And so it's important to look in context. And so when we begin back here in the beginning, we understand that Naaman is a captain, a great captain of the host of the king of Syria. And he, he is known as a mighty man of valor. And he ends up that he is a leper. If you don't know very much about leprosy, I, I'm not going to be able to get into it 
in depth, but I can tell you this, even in the New Testament, that, that the law, there, there was no, it was, a, it was a disease that was not curable. And so they had their own colonies. They, they would, if they lived outside of the city or if they came through the city, they had to cry before them, according to the law, they had to cry, unclean, unclean, so that nobody would be in the way and would contract the, the dreaded disease. They were known as outcasts. They were the, the scum of society. And here's this great man of valor that has contracted or gotten leprosy. Because verse 1 says this, he was a mighty man of, in valor, but he was a leper. I know that we talk about diseases today and they are devastating. And when someone learns they have that dreaded sea disease, the cancer, their hopes, their life just seems to, to drop. And, and, and immediately if we're not careful and we don't let God have things, we're going to come to the depths of despair. But you know, I, I just want to throw this out, and please, I'm not, I'm not putting down anything. I'm not taking away the importance of understanding what things are, but for a child of God, uh, Legacy 5, a, a Southern Gospel Quartet, sings a song called The Right Side of the Dirt. And I love the song. I love it. But then I got to thinking about it, and I thought, as a child of God, either side of the dirt is right. Come on now. If we're alive, we can, if we're on this side of the dirt, we can serve the Lord. But if we're on the other side of the dirt, if we're six feet under, that's just our body. We're already in the presence of the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But there's a reason that God made mention that Naaman, this great man of valor, this great captain of the host, and says, but he was a leper. When we get into verse 2, it talks about how the Syrians had gone out by companies and they had brought a captive out of the land of Israel. She was a little maid. I mean, she was a young woman. And she was a, a servant to Naaman's wife. And I want you to look at verse 3. Now, I... I I try to put myself in the place of people in Scripture. I would like, I, I've told you this before, I would love to do time travel. I would like to have been standing on the, on the edge of the valley when David went up against Goliath. I'd like to have seen that all unfold. I'd like to have heard what I believe was a gasp that came from both sides when Goliath was introduced to rock and roll. I mean, the rock hit his forehead and his body rolled. I mean, I would like to have been there and see and heard when, they, when the whole of, of the Philistines and, and Israeli armies went, because oh, they expected David to die. So, I would like to have seen the humility, because if, if I were a captive, I, I wouldn't be too happy about it. Talk to some of our POWs. It wasn't a pleasant thing. This young, this young girl is a POW. She's a prisoner of war. She's now a servant unto Naaman's wife. And I want you to see the humility of her life in verse 3. And she said unto her mistress, 
Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Here's this young girl who has come, been taken captive. She now has the job of attending the wife of Naaman, this great man of war, this, this great man that is a man of valor, and, and he has the leprosy, and her heart is such. It's not about how can I get out of here, how can I go back to my homeland, but I wish that my Lord, talking about her master, talking about Naaman, I wish to God that he would go see the prophet in Israel because that prophet of God would recover him of his leprosy. Let me tell you what that is. That's a compassion for someone else. There's no anger there whatsoever. It's a love for God and knowing that God's power is evident in his prophet. And he, she has a compassion upon Naaman, her master, and her desire is, is that she'd go see the prophet of God because she knows who God is and she knows the prophet of God and knows that God can heal him of his leprosy. Amen. Wow. So somebody overheard and took the message to Naaman. And this is, I don't want to say this is good gossip, it's just good press, passing on the word. You know, because there is no good gossip. <laughs> Just want to, anyway. The Bible in Proverbs talks a lot about a talebearer. I got to throw this in. What time do I need to be done, preacher? About three? Okay. D.L. Moody was preaching one time, and, and he was preaching about um, being offensive. If anything in our life is offensive, then and what he said was, if there's something about me that is offensive, you are more than welcome to come and see me after the services and let me know what it is, and I will do what I can to remove it so it's not an offense to you anymore. So right after the services, first in line was this woman. And she said, Mr. Moody, did you mean what you said? And he said, yes, ma'am. She said, your tie offends me. Okay, so he called for a pair of scissors and handed them to her and says, you may cut it off. She did, right at the knot. And he says, now, ma'am, if something about you is offensive to me, May I ask you to do the same? She said, certainly. He said, lay out your tongue. <laughs> True account. Because he knew her spirit was not a right spirit. And so that's why I say there's no good gossip. That's why Brother Ken brought out that this little tongue is a big member. It does a lot of damage. I don't want to get off and preach on that, okay? So I've, I've got to keep going. But, the, but in verse 4, someone went to Naaman and said, this young girl who attends your mistress, I'm, I'm not adding to him, just filling in the spaces, said this and this and this and this. So verse 5, the king of Syria 
says, here's what I'll do. I'll send a letter unto the king of Israel. And, and he sent an emissary, he sent an ambassador to the king of Israel with a letter that said, I have there was sent Naaman my servant to thee, and he sends Naaman, that thou mayest recover him of leprosy. And when it came to the king of Israel, the king of Israel says, who am I that I can do this? So Elisha, the man of God, well, there's so much here because Elisha learned from Elijah. And do you know that Elijah did some great miracles? When Elijah was ready to be taken out of this world in an Old Testament picture of the of New Testament rapture, catching away, Elijah asked Elisha, what would you have of me to do for thee? And he says, I want your mantle upon me. So when Elijah was taken out because Elijah said, if you see me go, you can have it. And when Elijah was taken out in the chariot of fire, Elisha saw it. And Elijah dropped his mantle upon him. And do you know that, and this is not a bragging point for Elisha, but it was his desire that he might do double what Elijah had done for the honor of God. And the miracles that Elisha did were twice as many as Elijah. Amazing. So Elisha is the prophet, and Elisha hears about it. And in verse 8, he, he had heard about the king of Israel, how he rent his clothes. And so he sent to him, and he said, Let him come now to me, in the latter part of verse 8, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. I'm going to go back to David for just a moment. Do you remember what David said? When he stood before that giant, that nine foot, nine inch giant, David did not have the tools of the world, but he had the tools of God. He had a sling and, a, and he had five smooth stones. The sling was already loaded with one, and if Goliath's four brothers wanted to get in the mix, he was ready for one for each of them. And when Goliath disdained him, remember what David said? He says, God is going to give you into my hands. I will take thine head from you. And it may be so that the world, so all of this host, talking about the Philistines, may know there is a God in Israel. And that this host may know that God doesn't save by sword and spear, but by his name and his power. It was a witness. So Elisha is not bragging and saying, come because I'm the one that's got the power. That's what these false guys do today. It's, it's to lift them up so they can make money off the people who believe them. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just telling you the truth. We have one of those guys in Texas. Actually, we have about three of them. And one of them, anyway, I call him the chicken man, uh, Benny Hinn. Anyway, um, but I want you to know that, so Naaman comes, and I can just see him rolling up in his chariots. We're talking about a man of great importance. He is honored by the king. He's a man of valor. He's captain of the host. He's not just a peon. He is a man of great importance, and so he has an entourage with him and, and comes up and rolls up to Elisha's and waits for the prophet to come out. 
And there's a servant of Elisha that comes out the door and comes and says, God has spoken. Just go to the river Jordan and dip yourself seven times and you will be healed. And goes back in. Sort of like an evangelist in a sort. We bring the word of God and then we leave. I'm not meaning bad. I mean, there's a great, great responsibility there because I've seen too many who have left and left it in ruin. It should always be in support of what the pastor and the local church. I don't know why I said that, but anyway, I just was there. Maybe it's just one of those burdens that's on my heart about our ministry. I don't know. So we read the response of Naaman. Now, hold on now. Think about what he said. Naaman, this great man, threw a temper tantrum. I mean, he was wroth. That means he was angered. He was deeply angered. And his statement is, I thought the man of God would come out and say these great swelling words and basically say, you are healed. And to go into the River Jordan, now, it was a muddy river. It didn't run like the mountain streams. They're so clear that you can see the trout swimming in there who will never take your hook. <laughs> it's like they know. <laughs> but I'm just saying that it was a muddy river, and so he is, he is angered and has a rage and throws this hissy fit, this temper tantrum, because he didn't get it his way. Come on now. We dealt with this for four times, four messages, and, and anger is usually because our what? Pride is offended. That's what happened to Naaman. Why, he's a great man. Why, surely there should have been some to do. Maybe they should, uh, this is my thinking, maybe they should have had I don't know if he thought this or not, but maybe there should have been an announcement of trumpets and, and a great host that came out and, and a great fanfare. Maybe they should have had the uh, desert band out there so they could blow trumpets and, and, and say, Naaman is here. And, and so, Elisha, you need to show great swelling response. But it wasn't that at all. It was simple. That's how God's Word is. It's simple things. Just a simple answer. Remember when Nicodemus came to Jesus by night? He was a ruler of the Jews. Came by night for fear of what the others would say. And he came to Jesus there in John chapter 3 and said, Good master, we know that thou art come from God, for no man doeth the things that thou doest except God be with him. I would like to have seen his face when Jesus answered him. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That was not the answer he was expecting. He was expecting some great swelling exhortation about the Scriptures, I'm sure. And yet Jesus simply said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Then things begin to change because he couldn't figure it out. His thought was, he's asking impossibility. That means, and he had, I've got to go back into the womb? 
And Jesus had to explain, no, you, the womb is the first birth. But you need to be born of the Spirit. You need to be born again. You see, it wasn't at all what Nicodemus was expecting. The answer that came from Elisha, I don't believe at all it was what Naaman was expecting. Because of his importance, he expected something grandeur. And yet a servant came out and says, the prophet says, the message from God, go dip yourself seven times in the river Jordan. Okay. Well, it did. <laughs> so I'll hurry. So that's in case if you need to switch to the pulpit mic, we can. It's fine. Whatever you're going to do. And so in his rage, and while he's throwing this fit and he's, and, he, and he's in this rage, his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do something great, would you not have done it? But do you understand, Master, do you understand, Naaman, that all he's asking you to do is just simply go down to the river Jordan and dip yourself seven times and you'll be cleansed? So he went down. And I'm going to tell you that step of faith was the result of his cleansing. Oh, don't take me wrong. I, I believe he had to do exactly what was said. He needed to dip himself seven times, which is exactly what he did. But it was his obedience to the direction that God wanted him to go that he received the message of the prophet to go down to the River Jordan and to dip himself seven times. I, I thought, what if I was in Naaman's place? And I thought, you know... Every time I came up, I'd think, well, was that enough? And yet, the number of perfection is the number that needed to be observed, and seven times he must needs go down. And by the way, it wasn't just going down just a little bit. It was, all, it was an immersion. It was totally under. You can't get halfway saved. It's got to be all or none. I picture in my mind that when he came up the uh, sixth time that he looked and, and said, man, all right, and went down. And when he came back up, as the scripture said, he looked and his skin was like a baby's skin. I can't even begin to imagine the wave of emotion that must have gone through him. To have been so hopeless, and yet now the hope has been restored. I, I wrote a couple of things that I think are important. A pastor I served under, Dr. Larry Moff, said this about a miracle. He said, it's God doing something that man cannot do. There's... I don't know how many physicians that Naaman may have gone to see to try and heal his leprosy, and yet it was a little slave girl who had a heart 
for her master while she's in slavery, while she's in, in captivity, and said, I wish, that our, our, oh, I wish my Lord would just go see the prophet in Israel because he has the answer. Hey, do you realize, and I'm talking to those who are children of God, do you know that God has given us the answer? For people who are sin sick in the world and, and we just need to let them know it's so simple. All they need to do is recognize who Jesus is. They need to believe in their heart unto salvation. They need to confess the Lord. But just that belief, when they believe that Jesus is who he said he was, that's when salvation comes in. Then the result of that salvation is they'll confess him, repent, and they begin to live for the Lord. I'm telling you, God works many miracles. And something I wrote down just this morning when I was going back through this. Look at verse 15. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him. And he said, and I want you to notice the attitude now. Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. The rage was gone and the heart was changed. Why? Because it wasn't about Naaman anymore. It's about God. So much so that he wanted to honor the man of God, the prophet of God, by giving him a blessing, by giving him gifts. And, and of course, Elisha turned them down. The rest of the story goes on down about Gehazi and how that he went after, he was greedy for the, the, what he could get, and he went after Naaman when they left it because, because Elisha had refused it. And so he chased after them and then came back, and he had received, said it was okay, he could take that. And, and if you read down through there, it says later that God says, because of your heart and because of your greediness, because of what you did, you will not have the leprosy that Naaman gave away or lost. And that's what happened. You know, even as a child of God, we can have a wrong heart. Naaman was at least willing enough, even though his heart, his desire was wrong, and the thoughts that he had were wrong, he was hoping that the prophet of God, Elisha, could heal him of his leprosy. It didn't go the way he planned, but it did go the way God planned. When Naaman was willing to be obedient to the instructions of God. Say, how does that apply to us today? I'm glad you ask. Number one, salvation cannot come any other way but by Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's through the precious blood of the Holy Lamb of God who willingly came for one purpose, to seek and to save that which is lost. He came to give his life. At the age of 30, he began his ministry. At the age of 33, he was on the cross, dying for you and I. 33 and a half. And shedding his blood to pay for the penalty of sin, which is what God laid down the precedence back in Genesis. That blood had to be shed for sin. 
And in Exodus 14, the Passover, or Exodus chapter 12, the, the Passover was established. And the Passover lamb. There's a lot in there. You got to learn there's some things in that that talks about the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, when he died at time of Passover. And when he came into Jerusalem four days ahead, preparing for that sacrifice. So that he might pay for your sin and mine. The penalty is death. He took it for us. And you need Jesus in your life. You're not going to get it through religion. won't get it through baptism. won't get it through good works. You won't get it through any other way. Not a good name or anything. It's only through Jesus. It's so simple that people make it difficult. I'm just telling you it's a simple word. And it's not my word. It's God's. Then for us who are, who are saved, bottom line. God simply asked for our obedience to his word. So simple. But we make it difficult. You see, what we like to do is we like to micromanage God. We say, well, it's got to be this, 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 and this. This has got to happen. No, God just simply says, if you'll be obedient, I'll bless you. If you're disobedient, I can't give you blessings. In the book of Corinthians, it talks about that you and I are going to stand and give an account of the judgment seat of Christ. I'm talking to believers. And our, the things that we have done in our life are going to be judged. And they will either be wood, hay, and stubble, which will be burned up because they were done in the flesh and done for ourselves, or they will be gold, silver, and precious stones, which were done for God. And we will receive rewards and lose rewards. But I'm going to tell you, I'd lot rather stand at the judgment seat of Christ than stand at the great white throne and hear, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. Because if a person without Jesus chooses to say no to God and say no to Jesus and dies that way, eternity will be in a place called hell that God does not want you to go to, does everything within his power to try and reach you, But if you choose to go to hell, he will say, depart from me. You work over iniquity. I never knew you. I believe there'll be church members in hell. I was almost one of those. I'm thankful for God's redemption. I'm thankful for God's love, his mercy, and his grace. You know, there are so many great pictures that are in here and we don't have time for all of them there's a picture of the savior picture of salvation the picture of the sinner Jesus is the only cure for our sin I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment I'll ask a couple of questions that I just like to ask and helps me to know better how to pray and then I'm going to turn to, I'll have a word of prayer and turn it over to the pastor But I wonder if there's anyone this morning who'd say, Brother Wagoner, if something happened and I died of a heart attack right now, I am not 100% sure I'd go to heaven. I'm not 100% sure I'd go to heaven. And I just want to lift up my hand and ask you, would you pray for me? Anybody like that this morning? I'm not 100% sure if I died of a heart attack right now that I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Anybody like that? I won't embarrass you, I promise you. But I will pray for you. You're just like Naaman. You need to be cured for eternity. 
Then my second question is this. Are there those today who know you're a child of God, you know you've been born again, you know you're going to heaven? There's no doubt about that. You're 100% sure on that one. But you also know that right now your life is not pleasing to God. And you're living in such a way that your testimony is affected. You can't even witness to lost people because things are so bad in your life. You're not able to walk with God because there's something between you and him. There's sin. And you say, Brother Wagner, I know I'm saved, but I know there's some things I need to get right with the Lord. Would you pray for me? Just lift up your hands. Yes, thank you. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Yes, you can put them down. Yes. Any others? Yes, thank you. Any others? Yes, thank you. Any others? Yes, yes. I want you to know this isn't a joke. This is a real thing. We'll be held accountable how we hold, how we deal with this and what we do with God in our life. Anyone else before I go to prayer? Would you stand with me, please, with heads bowed and eyes closed? And I'm going to have a word of prayer, and then I'll turn over to the pastor. You raised your hands, and I thank you for that, for your honesty. And I'm going to ask you to, while I'm praying, just step out. You say, well, there's other people in the way. You just start moving. They'll move out of the way for you. But you need to come and meet with God. You need to come and get those things right. Nobody can do it for you. It's between you and the Lord. Well, you do what God wants you to do. Father, I thank you for the privilege and honor this morning to preach your word. and Thank you for what we read in the account of what you did for Naaman when he finally said and humbled himself to say, I'll do what God asked me to do. And was obedient to your word and was healed. I pray, Father, for these who've raised their hands. I thank you for them. I pray that they might step out and get things straightened out between you and them. And then, Father, we pray that for someone here who's never been born again biblically, the way the Word teaches us, they, they've never, never been saved. I pray that day would be today and that you would be honored and glorified. Please move in hearts. Move bodies to come and make there to, to, to come and meet with you so they might leave here happier than when they came in more at peace than when they came please father we ask of you in the precious name of our savior the lord jesus christ amen pastor